Well, thank you for that fantastic welcome. Let's welcome the guys at Cafe Church. Welcome. Welcome to you guys. Great to be with you. And uh, welcome to you all to part four of this series on the power of everyone. Uh, I want to start with a, a question today and ask you, uh, what is your favorite creature? You know, where, where do you stand on the, the, the cat-dog debate that's going on at the moment? Maybe it's a, a lion or a tiger or maybe a bit more exotic. Maybe it's something like a, an armadillo or a, a rhino or a whale. I, I doubt very much that any of you right now are thinking the word goose. Now, me neither. It's not kind of my favorite creature. But actually, when I was preparing for this message, I did a little bit of research around pictures of unity and the power of unity. And you know, geese, although they may not be amazing individuals, the power of unity is demonstrated powerfully by the way in which they work together. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but because of the way geese fly, you know that V formation, they're able to achieve over 70% further distance by traveling together than they would on their own. And that's pretty amazing. Now, how do they do that? Well, they do it by flying in a V. And apparently what happens is they fly in a V and each one of them is flapping their wings away. Now, that actual flapping of the wings literally creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. They also rotate leadership. So when the, when the, I was going to say person, when the goose at the front is getting tired, another goose will come and take their place. When any of the goose, gooses, when any of the geese get, <laughs> when any of the geese get sick or wounded, then two of them will actually fall out of the formation and fly next to them until that goose is ready to fly on its own. And you know, you know how geese honk, honk, honk? Well, apparently, we're not sure why they honk, but it's always the geese right at the back of the formation who do the honking, and they reckon it's because they're going to the ones at the front, keep going, keep going, we're doing all right back here. Now, that's a great picture of the power of everyone. Let me ask you, how many of you would like to achieve 70% more than you're able to do on your own? Well, actually, you know, the Bible gives a better picture than that. The Bible, it says, one shall chase a thousand and two will chase 10,000. Now, depending on how you do your maths, that's either a fivefold or a tenfold increase. How many of you want a fivefold increase on your life to be able to use that much more than you're able to do on your own? Well, that is the power of everyone. And over the last few weeks, as we've been looking at this amazing church in the book of Acts, looking particularly at Acts chapter 2, that's what we've been looking at, the incredible multiplied power when everybody is involved. We've looked at the power of everyone devoted, the power of everyone reverent, the power of everyone generous. Today we come to look at the subject of the power of everyone united. What we're going to do for, for this time is home in on one verse right in the middle of Luke's description of this church in Acts, where he says this. Let, let's read this scripture together. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now, it's particularly, we're going we're gonna to home in on that little phrase, with one accord. Now, let me remind you who are the they. They are a, a company now of over 3,000 people of all kinds of backgrounds and languages, all kinds of personalities and natures, and yet they are described here as being of one accord. Now, we're going to home in on that phrase. It's a very rich phrase. Now, what does it mean? Well, it means a number of things. On one level, it means they got on well together. 
There was a relational harmony amongst this group of people. But actually, what with one accord primarily means is here was a group of people who, despite their incredible diversity of background, they had such a level of agreement about what really matters, about primary purpose, and for them it was honoring Jesus and making Him famous that everything else became subject to that primary purpose. Every part of every difference of nature, every difference of personality, even theological differences and differences as to the way church should be done, every single one of them was secondary to this is the primary purpose. Now, we're going to have a look at this concept of unity today. And we're going to take that word unity and use it as an acronym to unpack what it means, but also to look at the incredible power that is released when you and I are part of an everyone church. Now, while we're doing this, you will be aware that we're preparing to give in a few moments. And I, I want to use this time really to stir your faith. I know many of you, you've been on the journey for a long time. And I want you to come today ready to give with faith and with a fresh sense of excitement and a fresh desire for unity in the house. Some of you, I know you've been around for a while and maybe you're feeling a little bit disconnected with the church. And I believe today is a great day to mark the moment and say, I'm not just I'm bringing some money, I'm not just coming to break bread, I'm actually coming to say I'm in, whatever it is that's made me disconnect. For some of you, you'll be brand new here today or you just have been coming recently for the last few weeks. We want to say we're delighted you're here. And I hope as a result of today's message that you'll say you too want to come on this journey of unity with us. So let, let's unpack you up for this. Good, because I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, so let's unpack this word unity. Okay, so the letter U, what does that stand for? Well, it stands for what is unity? It is the unveiling of God. Do you know there is something so incredibly powerful about unity, especially unity in diversity, that it actually reflects something of the nature of God Himself. And not only does it reflect who God is, it becomes irresistibly attractive to the world around us. I don't know about you, but I believe we, we live in a, a country, we live in a city where people are longing to see a diverse group of people united. Well, you know, this is exactly what Jesus prays for. Look, look how he connects unity with an unveiling of God in John 17. He says this, and he's praying here for those of us who are in the church. He says, Father, I pray they, and that they, remember, who Jesus is praying for is multiple millions of people. They may be one, unity and diversity, just as you are in me and I am in you. I want them also to be in us. What's the result? then the world will believe that you have sent me. Amazing. Our unity, the depth and the strength of our unity, is a communication to the world about who Jesus is. Do you know, the more unified we are, the stronger, the clearer our message is to this city of Peterborough and to other cities. Uh, Michael Novak, who's an American author and journalist, he said this, Unity in diversity is the highest possible attainment of a civilization. Credible call, unity in diversity, the highest possible attainment of a civilization. Now what we see in these early pages of Acts is we see a group of people who are demonstrating unity in diversity and it becomes irresistibly attractive to the world around them. 
what you see again and again is it's like people can't resist coming to see what's going on amongst these people. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was released upon the church, God released upon his people a new grace to be able to connect in a way that's so attractive to the world. Just look at this. On, on the day of Pentecost, a crowd gathers to see what's going on. And how does Luke describe them as they gather? He says, they were amazed and astonished. How many of you want to be part of a church where as people come to see what's going on, they are amazed and astonished by what's happening here? About you, I, I want to be part of a company of people like that. Well, do you know, part of the reason why they were amazed and astonished was because of the unity of this group of people. Do you know, I believe that we are already enjoying as a church and have enjoyed an incredible grace of God upon us for unity. And it's actually a sign and a wonder to the people of Peterborough and the people of the cities that we're in that our very unity is a demonstration of something of who God is. You know, I want to say to you, Kingsgate, you know, you're not normal. You're aware of that. Have you ever stopped to think about this group of people here? So right here in this sound of my voice now, we have people who support Man United and people who support Man City. We have people who love people and we have people who hate football. We have people from Yorkshire and people from Lancashire and they like each other. I think that's a miracle. Do you know, we've got people from the north and the south, the east and the west. We've got people from Africa and from Asia, from America and from Europe. We've got people from the Middle East, the Far East, the North East and the, the Near East. And we like each other. It's a good place to be. We've got people who speak Spanish, Polish, Flemish, English, Frenchish, Germanish and Finlandish. <coughs> and we're united together. We've got people with pink hair, brown hair, blonde hair, beaded hair, green hair, spiked hair, curled hair, shaved hair, no hair. People with braided hair, people with extensions, and people with bobbed hair, and everything else in between. And we love it. And God loves it. We've got, we've got white-collar workers here. We've got blue-collar workers here. We've got people with no collars. We've got people who make collars. We've got people who used to wear dog collars. All in the same place. It's a, it's a miracle. You know, we've got people in our church who like Justin Bieber. We've got people who don't like Justin Bieber. We've got people who haven't got a clue who Justin Bieber is. Now, wouldn't you agree that's a miracle? It's a miracle of unity in diversity, and it's an unveiling of God. And I want to say to us, Kingsgate, let's never lose the wonder of what God has done in our midst. What does the U stand for? It stands for the unveiling of God, and you're free to applaud, if you want, because we're applauding the King. U stands for the unveiling of God. N stands for, what does unity do? It nullifies the enemy's plans. Do you know, we, we, as you look at the church in the, the book of Acts, you see that the enemy has some plans to slow this church down. Now what happens in Acts 3 and 4, the church has been growing fast and growing healthily. They see a credible miracle where a paraplegic is restored. But then the, the two of their key leaders, Peter and John, are arrested and put in prison. Now, they are eventually released, but the authorities say to them, you are not allowed to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. How many of you would agree that is a threat to this church? It's a plan of the enemy to try and prevent this church from growing to make it inward looking. So how does the church respond? I love this. In Acts 4, 24, it says this. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God. How? With one accord. 
and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They pray in unity. Then we have the prayer, and then it says, what's the result of that prayer? When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. I love it. There's a threat comes against the church. The church comes together. They pray. But what is it that makes that prayer so effective? It's their one accordness. It's a prayer based on unity. Do you know, when we pray out of a place of unity, when we stand together, we become an incredible force against the plans of the enemy. You know, unity is not passive. Unity is militant and powerful. When we stand together, we create tremendous protective power over this house, over marriages, homes, over children. You know, you can on your own, you can lift a prayer shield over the church and we need you to do that. But there's something incredibly powerful when a group of people say, we're in this together, we're for one another, and there's like an exponential increase on our protective covering. Came across this this great little story. Some of you will be lovers of the, the Peanuts cartoons. Uh, Anyway, the picture is Linus is is watching television and Lucy comes in and demands that he changes the channel. And Linus says to her, he says, well, what makes you think you can just come in here and take over? Little Lucy holds up the, the five fingers of her hand and she said, individually, my fingers may not mount to anything. But actually, when I curl them into a tight fist, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. <clears throat> Linus says, what channel do you want? <laughs> then he turns and he looks at his hand and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? <clears throat> I love, now I don't know about you, I might not be much of an individual, but I want to tell you, when we stand together, united, we become a force that is terrible, frightening to the enemy. You know, the enemy is terrified of a church that is united. United we stand, divided we fall. But catch that sense of when we stand together, we create a protection over the house that is practically impregnable to the enemy. I don't know, maybe some of you are having a bit of a rough time with feeling like the enemy's got plans against your life. Maybe it's time to get back in under the covering of the house. You know, because it's when we're united that we experience that sense of the supernatural covering of King Jesus. What does unity do? It unveils God. It nullifies the plans of the enemy. And third, with unity, impossibilities become possibilities. Let's say that together. Impossibilities become possibilities. I want to let you, let that phrase sink in like to the, the depth of your soul. You know, where people are united, anything can happen. Things that seemed impossible become possible. Just listen to this scripture from the Old Testament where it's a, a God speaking into an incident called the building of the Tower of Babel. This is what God says. It says, The Lord said, If as one people, there's that unity again, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Wow! Out of the very mouth of God. Here we have a group of people who were not looking to do things for God. They were looking to build an edifice to their own arrogance and pride. And God says even for them, in their unity, there is incredible power. Now I want to say, if that's true for them, how much more for us who are New Testament believers where 
Pentecost is a reversal of this event at Babel. Where now, as God's united people with the power of the Holy Spirit amongst us, giving us a grace for unity, if, if things were in, that were impossible could become possible for them, how much more for us today? How much more could we see here? And you know, you see this all the way through the book of Acts. You see this combination of unity in the church and God doing powerful, amazing things. Just, just one example in Acts 5 verse 12. Luke says this, he says, at the hands of the apostle, many signs and wonders were taking place. How many of you want to see more healing? More marriages restored? More breakthrough happen in this city? Well, that's, I believe that's God's desire for us. The impossible becoming possible. But then notice what Luke says is the context for that power breaking through. He says, taking place among the people, and they were all what? With one accord. There's that same phrase again. Unity creates an environment within which the impossible becomes possible. In fact, he even goes on, Luke, and he describes how in that, that environment, so powerful was the anointing on Peter that people could get healed by his very shadow. Wouldn't that be amazing to see that here in Peterborough, to see it in our cities where such is the level of power of God amongst us that people can even get healed by our presence in a place. Now, now I don't know if you're aware but we're seeing God do the impossible right now. We are seeing in Kingsgate marriages get restored. We're seeing families get healed. We're seeing people come back who it looked impossible for them to come back. Let, let me give you two quick healing stories. Uh, recently in London, one story about a lady who was coming to our, our midweek gatherings, and she had a 10-year, say 10-year, a 10-year condition where she, her, her diet was incredibly limited. And she said that even if she took communion, she would have considerable physical pain for two to three days as a result of taking communion. A few weeks ago, she was prayed for our midweek meeting, and she was completely and instantly healed, and is now enjoying all the food that she can get her hands on. The impossible become impossible. And then again, just, just here in Peterborough, I heard recently, and this is happening nearly every week, of how there was a, a word of knowledge given at the end of the meeting, things we believe God wanted to heal that, that day, of someone who was suffering from a, a terrible itching condition, which is actually a symptom of a, an illness they got. Well, that person wasn't actually present in the meeting, so somebody else came and got prayed on their behalf and then rang them up to discover that person had been completely healed from that symptom. Isn't that amazing? God is doing the impossible in our midst. I want to encourage us today, even as we come to give, let's raise our sights for the God of the impossible to do even more amongst us. How many of you know there's more sick people to be healed? There are more marriages to be restored. There's more breakthrough to experience here in Peterborough, into Cambridge, into Leicester, into London, and into our other cities. Unity makes the impossible possible. Unity is the unveiling of God. It nullifies the plans of the enemy. It makes the impossible possible. And fourth, unity takes persistence. So in our original text in Acts says this, day after day they met in the temple area continuing with one mind. Now this is, this is really important. This group of people, they didn't just have a one-off moment of unity. They didn't just have one of those sitting around a campfire and singing, singing Kumbaya, and feeling isn't everything lovely. No, this was a continuing, persistent, they said, we've got unity, we're going to keep it. 
And they managed to maintain that sense of unity, not only within a large multiple thousands church, but they actually managed to do it over space as well. Not only within one city, but in a number of cities. Now, and I want you to catch this, because this is not normal. In Acts 1, when the church was 120, they are described as being with one mind and one purpose. Then as we've seen in chapter 2, with the church now over 3,000, says that they were day by day continuing what? With one mind. Then now in Acts 4, with the church now more than 10,000 strong, how are they described in Acts 4? All the believers were one in heart and mind. And then Acts 15, now with the church across many cities, multiple thousands, they've had a massive theological debate to try and land and sort out. And it's still saying in Acts 15, it seemed good to us having what? Come to one accord. It's a sign and a wonder. Do you know, I, I, I can remember first coming to Kingsgate when the church was round about just, just over 200. And we loved the church straight away as a family. My wife, me, my wife, and my two children. And we love many aspects of the church, but one thing that struck us straight away was the profound sense of unity in this church. We, we almost couldn't believe it, that we could go week by week and go to life group, and nobody spoke negatively about the church. Nobody spoke negatively about the leadership. There was no gossip, and there was no backbiting. And you know, I thought, this is a sign and a wonder. These people are not normal. What is going on in this place? And I want to say to those of you who've been on the journey a long time, well done. This sadly is not that normal in the UK. But I tell you what's even more remarkable has been the ability and the strength and the grace of God for that to continue. I, I, I am amazed. Some of you people in here, you've given time, money, and resources to Leicester, to us in Cambridge. We would not be doing what we're doing in Cambridge if it wasn't for you in unity with us releasing your resources to us. It's a sign and a wonder. It's a miracle what God's done amongst us. And to see, could that carry on in four cities? Could it carry on in five cities, six cities? Can we really do what God has called us to, to be one church in many locations? Well, we're already doing it. And it's a case of, I want to say to us, what's happening is remarkable. Let's be persistent. Let's stick at it. Look at what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do you know, while I was writing this message, there were a number of times when I, I mistyped the word united, and I typed the word untied instead. I was thinking, no, no, we don't. We don't want a church that's untied. I mean, would you agree? We, we don't want to be untied. Whatever happens, we want to be united. Now, what happened in that misspelling? The I moved from its right place to its wrongful place. Do you know the biggest threat to the unity within Kingsgate is not really something that will come from the outside. It's probably more likely to be people like you and me, ordinary people. The threat is that you and I put I in the wrong place. Is that we allow that I to become central. It's actually, you know, you look at the history of the church, what is it that undermines churches? It's usually where someone's agenda becomes more important than the overall agenda. Where one thing takes the place of the many. Where, where instead of saying, 
we is greater than me, we say I is the most important thing. And you know, that, that, that's why Paul says here four things to deal with our I. And I want to challenge all of us today. I don't have time to unpack this, but I want to challenge all of us today on this giving day, which is such a declaration of unity. Let's be people who are being persistent. Let's be people who, as Paul says here, we choose to be humble. What does humble mean? It means that I put the needs of others before the needs of myself. What, what, what does um, being gentle mean? It means not being defensive. Not saying, I've got to have my way, we've got to do this. That's saying, no, there's, there's a bigger picture. There's something bigger at stake here. Are there any people that you need to bear with? <laughs> have you noticed we are, we are full of normal people? Sometimes there are people you need to bear with. And how does Paul say to do that? He says, bear with one another in love. And what is love? Love is not a gooey feeling. Love is a choice that says, I want to do what's best for you, whatever it costs me. Do you know where there's a people like that? That's where there will be a persistent keeping and guarding of the unity. So all the way through the time I've been preparing this, I've sensed God saying to me again and again, what's going on in this church is wonderful. Now let's keep it. Let's be persistent. And I want to say almost to every one of us, let's be those who we keep guarding the unity of this house. What is unity? It's the unveiling of God. It nullifies the plans of the enemy. It makes the impossible possible. It takes persistence. And then finally, you know, for unity to be fully realized, number five, you are needed. Every single one of us, we are needed. You know, if you go to the, the church here in Acts, what you see is that it's an everyone church. All the way through the, the early chapters of Acts, the number of times the writer talks about all or everyone is incredible because this was an everyone church. It, it just, just one example in Acts 2.44. Uh, the message translates it this way. It says, all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. Say harmony. Every, holding everything in common. Now that word harmony is another way to describe the unity of this early church. And what is harmony? Well, it's a musical term. And really, the sense is there's an overall goal. Yet we're trying to create a piece of beautiful music, but it requires everyone to play their part. There's a sense we're trying to create a particular sound, like a fantastic orchestra. Now, it may or may not surprise you to know that this man, born in Nigeria and raised in Yorkshire, also used to play in an orchestra. I was part of the world-famous Huddersfield Youth Orchestra. Uh, thank you. Um, I think that's worth an applause. Um, you should hear. And I've actually got my name on an album. Just the one. Thank you. Now, why did I get my name on there? Because I played the snare drum on Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. I played the kettle drums on something else. And the triangle on something, I haven't got a clue what it was. But here's the thing, even though I wasn't playing first fiddle, even though I wasn't playing the most important part, the conductor made it very clear that I was needed. That for us as a, an orchestra to complete the sound that the composer had originally intended, for that sound to be completed, my ting was required. Your ting is required. I don't know what you consider yourself to be within the church. You, you may have been here for a long time. 
And I want to say to you, thank you. Please keep playing the sound that God's given you, your unique sound. Whatever it is, don't step out. Stay in. Stay, hedge right into this house. Maybe you've stopped being in the house. Maybe for whatever reason, whatever the reason is, whether it's relational or whatever, you've stepped out. I want to tell you we're missing you. To produce the overall sound that God has for us as a church, we need the sound of your voice. We need the sound of your contribution. And for those of you who are new to us, come in. Let's make the sound bigger. Let's make the sound bolder. Let's make the sound richer as you bring in whatever it is that God has gifted and skilled you for. As we bring this message to a close in a moment, we're going to be moving into a time of bringing our offerings to the Lord, going into our lengthen and strengthen offering. And I believe this is actually one of the most significant expressions of unity that we can ever do in 21st century Britain. Do you know, you're, you're amazing. What a thought to give, to be able to give to needs beyond ourselves. And how, just imagine what might God do through us as every one of us plays our part, as we give in, as we give of our best to launching further into London, as we give of our best. What might God do with the seats at the back of here? What lives might be changed as a result of our corporate giving together? What might God do even through technology? What might God do through young people being raised up in this house to become church leaders and worship leaders and church planters in this city and into other cities? Well, I want you to capture that sense in a moment. As we come together to give, whether you're in cafe or here, a sense of fresh faith. And don't just come to give. Come saying, God, I'm in. I'm in. I want to play my part. I want to give my sound into this house. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you that you have built us together to become a people within which you dwell. Father, we thank you for the incredible unity that we have enjoyed over many years as a church. And Father, we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help us to continue to guard that level of unity in this house, to take seriously that which you've deposited within us. Father, I pray for everybody. I pray, Father, for those who've been on the journey for many years. God, today, let the presence of your Spirit land on them. Let them know fresh fire coming upon their offering, fresh passion for your purposes in this family. Father, I pray for any who've got disconnected. May today be a significant day when they sense again that call. We need to hear your sound. And may they come willingly and gladly and experience again the sense of your presence. And may those, Lord, who are new to Kingsgate, for whom this is the place you've called them to, experience glorious first steps on this journey. And Father, we ask all of that in the mighty name of King Jesus. If you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.